Friday Lunchtime Lectures at the Open Data Institute. So I've given myself a challenge of a, a whistle-stop tour around the Open Data Challenge series because that isn't really the point of the session today. Uh, the focus really is on the finalists and hearing about the innovations that are happening using open data in the energy and environment space. It just so happens that the reason these guys are here and doing it, I like to think, is because of the uh, existence of the Open Data Challenge series. So um, together, Nesta and the ODI are running a series of seven challenges. Um, and those seven challenges are each focused on a different sector. Um, and we have run three so far, and we're about to launch our fourth, which I'll tell you more about towards the end of the talk. Um, essentially, what we're trying to do is to get people to use existing open data and to drive towards opening up new data so, so that they can have a social impact of some sort. Um, and ideally, producing some kind of product or solution, whether it's on the web or whether it's in the real world, um, that's actually going to engage real people with it too. Um, the project's funded by Biz and TSB, and their ultimate goal is to get some really great examples out there. Um, we have our final winner already from our first challenge, uh, which was Crime and Justice. Um, and we are at the finalist stage for both education and energy. So the energy guys, the education guys submitted their final uh, proposal to us today and their final pitch. And the energy guys will be doing the same. I'm sure they're absolutely ready for it next Friday. So what actually is a challenge prize? I'm going to give you a quick whistle-stop tour. And this isn't, I'm, I'm convinced, isn't the most useful diagram, but I'm rolling with it anyway, because it's what I had to have. So uh, probably easiest to listen, and I'll uh, refer to it where it's relevant. So essentially, we picked a theme, um, and overall, that was energy and environment. Uh, we then explored that together with some experts and some stakeholders from the field. Perhaps some of you got involved in the discussion and the debate. Um, so that we could hone down to a specific challenge. Um, and that specific challenge in this instance was how can you use open data to engage and support community energy groups? Uh, and particularly, how can you use open data to help them micro-generate, to help them engage with energy efficiencies, and to help them reduce their costs? Um, so three different elements where we were essentially looking to support those community energy groups. We then opened up for applications, which was an online process. People submitted their ideas on a website. We had over 30 different teams say, we can answer that challenge. We want to, to give it a go. And we brought 15 of them together at the creation weekend. And that's a weekend of development and kind of uh, catalyzing those ideas and the development by engaging people with um, different specialists and different opportunities to engage with users and, and such like. And at the end of that weekend, uh, 15 teams pitched back their ideas to a panel of judges, and three were selected, two of whom we have here today. Uh, they won £5,000 and some support, some incubation support over the next two months to help them again accelerate and move forward with their project and idea, hopefully, um, and uh, then ultimately for us to decide on one winner, which will be announced later in June, uh, probably the beginning of July, in fact, um, which will win overall a £40,000 prize. So essentially a kind of incentive-driven process um, to facilitate uh, entrepreneurial and, and innovation. So I've mentioned already the three that we have running at the moment. The next one will be housing that I will uh, also let you know a little bit about towards the end of the talk. Um, we also have three vacant spots there, as you can see, um, and they launch. We have dates for their launch, but we haven't got topics yet. Um, so do watch out, because it could well be a topic that's also complementary to the energy <coughs> and environment theme, or perhaps of interest to you. 
Um, so what is Energy and Environment all about? The three uh, finalists, as I said, were looking to support those community energy groups using open data, um, and these are they. Unfortunately, Community Energy Manager weren't able to make it here today, so we miss out on their pitch. Um, but if you are interested in learning more about them, then uh, there's a blog available on the ODI website that we encourage you to have a read. But without further ado, um, I will hand over to Gerd, who's going to talk to us a little bit about energy schools. Thank you. Uh, thank you for showing up today. I expected more people to have lunch in front of me. Um, because I haven't had any lunch or breakfast yet because I had to prepare this then talk to, today. So, and I'm not, I hope I'm not spoiling anyone's lunch if you haven't had lunch yet. Um, so, my name is Gerhard Kontu. Uh, I'm one third of energy schools. Uh, Sean McDougall uh, is an education expert. He's, he's running a consultancy and has been working with schools for a long time um, to help improve schools. And Mathieu is working currently at the Open University uh, at the Knowledge Media Institute. He's also really an expert in, in open data. And I'm also with the Open University uh, by chance. So, what is energy schools about? So let, let me ask you two questions. The first question is, um, of all these people in the room, who believes that open data plays a vital role or can play a vital role in, in addressing the key challenges around resource consumption, sustainability, environment? Just a show of hands. Don't Okay, that was a little bit of a leading question. <laughs> given this, given the, this audience, I'm not so surprised uh, that almost everyone raised their hands. So the second question: So, how many of you believe that schools are doing enough to prepare young people to understand the power of open data uh, and how they can address these challenges? Again, show of hands. Okay, nobody believes that. So, okay, here's my proposition. You, you already got it. I can, I can stop here um, because that's what we're trying to do. Um, and of course, also a slightly leading question. I'm not trying to, to uh, uh, say anything negative about schools. Uh, it's, it's a difficult business and, and teachers have a difficult <coughs> job to do. Um, so at energy schools, we believe in the power of education to transform the world. And we also believe that uh, open data plays an important role. So our mission is to use the power of open data to empower young people, uh, particularly around energy, environment, uh, sustainability. Now, I'm standing here in front of you because many, many years back, my school had one of the first computers in the country in a school and I started playing around and I got excited about this. But also, um, nobody in the school was able to teach anything about this. And so it was all self-taught, programming and, and all this stuff. And I got into, into this. So um, what it <coughs> taught me is that actually practice and playing with technology and doing is in many ways much more important than textbook learning. Um, and that, that is very clear. So, but knowledge, even practice, is not enough. We need to help young people understand that they can play an active role in addressing these key challenges which we face around transport, energy, 
environment and so on. <coughs> if, if I remember, when I came out of school, I didn't feel empowered to do anything. Uh, I had some knowledge, but I was trying to figure out what, what am I actually doing in, in the world and, and how, can I, how can I play a role? And I think it's probably not so different uh, today. So our mission is uh, threefold. On the one hand, we want to empower young people in schools to become energy community leaders. We want them to understand that they can actually play an active role, and we want them to play an active role in addressing some of the key challenges. Not just learn about it, but actually do something about it within their local community. And that's our starting point, really. The focus is uh, on young people. But at the same time, we want to look at the school environment and turn schools into viable community hubs around energy as a, as, a, as a foundation for larger community energy projects. And schools try to bring these uh, subjects into, into the education, uh, but it's still a little bit disconnected and it's uh, quite often textbook learning. So from turning schools into community centers around these issues, we want to enable communities, so that means the local communities around schools, parents, neighbors, to uh, come together and to jumpstart uh, community <coughs> energy projects around uh, group buying, for example, sharing knowledge uh, around uh, these issues. So these are really the, the three uh, key objectives which we have. So let's look at what we're doing in concrete terms. We're building an energy schools platform. And this platform is a web-based platform that helps us understand how a community, the community around the school and the school in itself, uh, how they consume energy, electricity, uh, heat, uh, and analyze the data. Now, a very important aspect here is that the educational program which we are shaping around this platform uh, asks students to go into their own homes and to experiment, to liberate data, to identify data uh, around their own households, how energy consumption happens in, the, in, the, in their own households, and bring this back into the school context. So that's, in a way, the, the, the school becomes a center uh, to, for aggregation of data in a community. And if, if you think of a large school with a thousand or more students, you easily have 500, 700 households uh, directly connected to a school, which is a large number uh, of, of families and, and, and uh, very useful information, which is, which is still hidden. So what kind of energy saving measures exist in a particular home? What are the practices around energy uh, in these different households. And we, so we're building a crowdsourcing platform that allows these kids, as part of the education, to uh, exercise and practice this and, and bring the, their understanding back together. And we're building a learning platform so that this information, this data, can be used in the school context uh, as part of the more formal education. But 
don't think of it as, oh, there is sort of a web-based thing and they sit in front of their PC. We want to bring this topic into a school, for example, through a large shared dashboard which sits in a school so that engagement with this issue is something which uh, you do every single day, every break. Whenever you come into the school, you see progress, you see updates. So it doesn't, it's not just confined to the uh, formal education in the classroom. So it's all engaging. The second important aspect is that we're connecting schools together. We're building networks of schools. So if you think of one school with 1,000 households, another school with 500 households, and you scale this up, you easily reach very quickly tens of thousands of households. Uh, and we can crowdsource the information from uh, a large number of households. Um, and this, on this scale, by reaching this scale, we build, in my understanding, and that's our uh, core mission, we built really a great foundation for community energy projects because one of the challenges for community energy projects is how do you reach scale, who do you talk to, um, who knows something uh, about it, how do you go about it. And we believe that schools really are natural hubs for community energy projects which already are starting to appear in many places all over the, all over the country. Now, open data plays an important role. First of all, we want to aggregate data and turn the data which is collected by students into open data, taking into account certain privacy aspects, not sharing every single detail. But we also want to use uh, existing open data. And I'm listing here just a number of, of, of uh, open data which, which we are investigating and, and uh, which we are using. Because it's not about just looking at your energy monitor and saying, oh, I'm using whatever. Uh, I dismantled all my energy monitors because I couldn't make any sense of it. It was quite boring. So a blinking number somewhere in the corner of your room doesn't really make sense. You, want, you really need to analyze the, the data in terms of what kind of house do you actually live in? What's the building material? What's the size? What's the social profile of a community? So you need to make sense of the data, and you need to enrich the collected data with the background data. And there's a rich set of background data uh, which can be drawn in. And this really fosters a deep understanding of energy issues. It's not about this energy monitoring your home, although well, we are tapping into that. Just quickly, what's the business model? How do we make money? Well, it's a social enterprise. Uh, we need to stay alive, at least. So the value proposition, our customers, in a way, are schools. Not individual uh, students. Our customers are schools. Um, so how do you latch on with schools? And we've been working with many, many schools over time. It's a difficult proposition for any school uh, to do something new uh, and innovative within the confines and constraints of the existing curriculum and the pressures they face. Um, so we're providing a free energy-saving service to school. All the schools are under pressure to reduce costs. Some already have made uh, uh, great steps. Many others are still behind. Um, and so there's no upfront cost, but we are taking a cut of the savings, uh, which a school realizes, 
through the engagement results. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, if we actually have access to a large number of households and we have a good understanding of where they currently are in terms of energy consumption and where the savings potential is, we can, in a way, refer these households to commercial companies that are in the business of improving homes. Uh, again, in a way, not just selling the addresses, but in a way, uh, allowing parents to, to uh, th through a much better understanding of what the opportunities are and where are the practical routes, what they need to do in terms of who can help them. Uh, there, is, there is a lot of money in, in referrals. And then finally, uh, we are thinking of reselling kits, uh, which we take from an existing manufacturer, either to schools or to uh, the community. And the, we're, we're looking very, we're very much interested in the co-op model. So it's not like we are taking all the revenues. Uh, we are trying to establish a model where the school have a vested interest in fostering this community or also benefits commercially. I know I'm only supposed to speak seven minutes, so I just want to uh, uh, talk about social impact. We're looking at what's the social impact, who benefits here. On the one hand, the, the main goal, one of the main goals is to empower students to, to help them realize that they can do, uh, play an active role. But schools, communities, and networks of schools, so we have to swallow hiring. All right, I know people are getting itchy here in front, so I'm stopping here. If you want to uh, know more about it, so just talk to me. Thank you. I'm, I'm Nick Katz, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Locatable, um, which ultimately is a platform that is linking people to a digital representation of their home, um, helping them do various things involving costs, um, services, um, and different supplies coming into a property. Um, so there's some <coughs> similarities with what Gert's talking about, especially with our initial focus um, on younger householders, um, renters, i.e. sort of generation rent, um, and a suite of digital tools to help them reduce costs and complexity with running their home. Um, you'll sort of see, as I explain the system, hopefully, that um, the energy tracking and energy benchmarking <coughs> tool sort of fits in behind a couple other things that we're developing um, as a software company at the moment. Um, but in terms of energy, um, you know, the, the space is really difficult for most people to understand. Um, it's complex and of about 75 um, interviews we've done with um, younger people walking around the streets of Shoreditch and other areas of London, almost all of them, when asked about energy, just said energy companies are evil without us putting any words in their mouths. Like, that is just the rhetoric in the market right now. Um, and it's a little bit sad because energy is obviously a pretty crucial bit of life, and not everyone in the energy space is bad, but that, that's the sort of way the market's gone for the moment. Um, our tool is basically meant to make it easy for people to understand what's going on with their energy. Obviously, hopefully, to build a, a trusted brand, um, especially with these younger householders as they grow with us, um, and, and make it easy to come together as a, as a community online and, and do various things around energy and other costs at home. Um, this is just a look at sort of the, 
the prototype um, energy benchmarking tool that we have live in the system right now. Um, the way it basically works is you can plug in some very basic energy information. Um, we take that data, the amount of sort of bedrooms your property has, the type of property is, and um, compare it against open data that exists in the market. Um, I'll show you the open data sets we're using, but we're using a lot of sort of open data around homes in general, plus energy statistics and other relevant um, information. But the, the idea of our system over time is kind of like Gerd says, like having a flashing number in the corner of your house is not really helpful. It's only helpful if you know how you're performing in context. Um, and a company like Opower in the United States, who just recently had a successful IPO, has done this brilliantly by basically just helping consumers understand how they're performing against their neighbors. Um, so we've uh, borrowed a little bit of that sort of methodology and, and started doing some of this basically. So you can see that you're um, using X percentage more than other two-bedroom properties in the area you live. For me, that's Hackney. Um, but you're actually paying a bunch more. And when there's a differential, there's an opportunity to switch. If the numbers are both kind of high, you're just using a lot of energy. There's some cultural things that could change. There's a lot of intelligence that can be derived from this that we're working to sort of build out. Um, so the way the whole sort of system operates, um, and this goes back to how we think there's sort of a different tool that we need to build in the market to actually get enough people on the website to use the energy stuff. We're building a, a tool to help young renters split bills amongst themselves and their household. There's a very clear pain point that we've identified, which is that younger flat shares basically get in fights with their best friends about trying to get them to pay them back for electricity, for gas, all this stuff. Um, and it's not that complex of a technology built to actually solve that problem with a, a souped-up spreadsheet that looks pretty on a website. Um, so that's where we're going to be sort of building a beachhead as a company, trying to acquire our first 100,000 users. As they join, the first place we're going to sort of um, do a deep dive um, is going to be around energy, which is sort of one line item in operating costs. And you can imagine your, your house is almost like a, a profit and loss spreadsheet. It's one of the bigger ones, and it's one of the only ones you can actually control or at least influence as both a renter and an owner. So that's where this energy benchmarking tool comes in, where we start comparing people against their neighbors' households as well as hopefully their friends' households. We're still sort of testing in the market what's going to be most engaging for people. Um, and then as more and more people come on, people can share various tips that help them improve. Um, the ones that are demonstrating they're improving their energy performance the most will sort of obviously be saving money, but we'll also be getting other incentives. We think it'll probably be something like pizza or just eat vouchers. Uh, it's a nice thing about the sort of younger market, um, you don't have to be buying them cars and stuff to get them excited. Um, so we, we hope that we can sort of build what, what becomes almost a a virtuous circle and an engine of growth for our website as people come in to solve a simple problem, start learning about sustainability, you know, fighting to save a bit of money or win prizes, inviting their friends, and then sort of coming back through this circle. Um, so I'm not going to make you guys suffer through this in any detail except explain um, part of the Open Data Challenge series, which has been amazing for us, is the support we're getting from both PricewaterhouseCoopers um, a consultancy who's helping us understand social impact and that sort of stuff, as well as a user experience design shop called Us Creates. Um, Us Creates was the group that was helping us think through our, our business model canvas, where we can find partners, what the different activities are. This is just a process that basically all startups completely adhere to to figure out like if your ideas have any merit to build 
an actual product with and, and an actual business. Um, then there's this, which we also did with Us Creates, just thinking through how do people become aware of the service, how do people actually join it, how do people then use it, um, how are we going to develop it, how do people develop their own relationship with our website, our brand, our product, um, and then how do things continue on from there. Um, so these are all processes that we've been going through together as a team with these consultants working with us. Um, and then with PwC, their focus in, in the Open Data Challenge series with us has been to think through what's called a theory of change, um, which kind of at first felt like a very frustrating blue sky exercise, but actually going through it and thinking through it was really helpful. Just thinking about, like, very simply, what's the stuff that you're going to be putting in, like, you know, all the different resources, if we win the sort of 40,000 pounds or a part of it, marketing, market research, doing some workshops. We're actually doing workshop, our first workshop tonight from 5 to 7 p.m. We have two slots available, so if anyone wants some whiskey or beer or just to learn a little bit more about this and you're around this evening, come talk to me after, that'd be great. Um, user data, user-generated data, crowdsourcing, sort of like Bird's talking about as well, plus open data. Um, the people that will be using it, are sort of up there at the top, initially really flat sharing renters, then there'll be other people that'll get involved, our activities. What we think the short-term impact will be of, of our system actually gaining a bit of traction um, as the system continues to grow, like what, what the midterm impacts will be, and then sort of the blue sky stuff, um, what we think we could actually impact if we have every renter and every owner in the country attached to locatable. Um, a lot of the stuff that GERD, we, the other companies are, are all fighting for is actually really tied in, um, whether we're thinking about it actively or not, to regulation um, in this country. There's a lot of stuff around the Green Deal, um, around this thing, the minimum energy performance standards that's set out by the Energy Act of 2011, which actually states that in 2018, both residential and commercial properties that are the lowest rated in terms of their energy performance certificate, so F and Gs, legally cannot be rented out. So we've got four years for different landlords in this country to upgrade their properties from F and G so that they can still let them out so that they actually have some value and generate revenue. Um, so all these various projects should actually be helping in various ways to educate people, get people more aware of this stuff and start to put pressure on landlords and, and vice versa to improve properties reduce consumption, and uh, stick to sort of bunch of these goals. Um, so the idea that before locatable, <coughs> flat shares are just complete nightmares, all sorts of stuff going on, people fighting, you have no idea who owes people what, whose food is whose, um, and that after locatable, you know, it's just going to be love. It's going to be amazing. Um, so just a quick uh, case study that's not ours. It's just one of my favorite case studies. I worked in sustainability and commercial property for, for most of my career. Um, Quintain, who owned a huge chunk of Wimbledon in London, um, had what I thought was one of the most brilliant case studies I've ever heard. They took one of their student accommodation buildings and said, all right, whatever month it is, we're going to have an energy competition. Whoever lowers their energy consumption the most, we're going to buy pizza. So their capital investment as a giant real estate development company was 40 quid. And it ended up creating savings for every unit in this building of 1,600 pounds per month. And that just kind of stuck in my head of all the crazy like case studies and like really technical numbers I've looked at in sustainability of horse property. <laughs> just giving some people, some kids some pizza, actually got them really, really engaged around energy. 
And I think that's an exciting thing about focusing on some of the, the younger people. Um, so this market for um, sort of flat sharing renters is, is still quite big. Um, we've created these personas around the problems that we're trying to solve. So the persona for the young flat sharing renters called Toby. Um, we want to focus on them because we're getting to people at the very beginning of their property journey. Uh, we are like a real estate technology website. Um, it's really what, what we're building, but it's important to get people to come work with us early. Um, we can get multiple users per household and lots and lots of data on homes really quickly. Um, we also have to be very careful with that data, obviously. I'm not going to bore you guys with that stuff. But um, there's also a lot of viral potential with these younger people who are just incredibly connected to the internet. Um, there's about 2 million of them, by our estimates, in England. Um, and a ton of them are in London, as, as you would imagine. So I just wanted to ask a couple questions, um, really because I want to cheat and do some customer research quickly. Um, but we're still trying to figure out where young renters hang out online and offline. I just wonder if any of you are renters yourselves or have kids that rent. I mean, it was interesting hearing about the schools as a, as a hub for this, and I think that's definitely true. But does anyone else have any ideas about where these young renters, these flat sharers, are, are spending a lot of their time on or offline? I'm guessing that they should come and see you afterwards. Just give me that information. Oh, yeah, possibly. Yeah. Okay, sure. It's just because we have time questions. Cool, okay. We'll talk about that after. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, we have done a bunch of thinking on this, so we've got budgets all set out for um, where are we going to be spending money to try and acquire customers. We're currently out raising an investment round right now of 150,000 pounds, which is, you know, hopefully help um, us actually do this in the market. Um, just a little bit of a, a look at what we're expecting in terms of user growth on our website. Um, there's some very complicated financial projections that I also want to bore you with. But basically, um, initially with this splitting tool, we're going to charge a small fee to our users. Over time, as these people develop in their property journey as renters and eventually onto the property ladder as owners, um, they're going to start needing other things, mortgages, insurance, all sorts of stuff. And we want to create basically a referral engine to send people on to websites like Money Supermarket or U-Switch um, who have great technologies built around finding the best deals for people. And we'll take a little fee in terms of referral each time. Um, so a quick look at what we're actually doing with open data. Um, as a business, we're using uh, a huge amount of open data for the energy project. Um, really, we use this need report um, and annual domestic energy bills. Um, and there's one other data set that's actually missing um, to start benchmarking people um, and, and their household's performance against. Um, we're, we're a very data-hungry company. We originally started the business at the ODI, so this is really great for us to be here and so involved. Um, just the last thing, which will take two seconds, just giving you guys a sneak peek at um, some designs that this young gentleman here, Sharif, who's our associate in uh, innovation and technology, put together. Um, these are like blueprints that an architect sort of does almost by hand before it moves further on into the, the development process. So that's the equivalent here is a wireframe. Um, so what you'll see on our website is something that ends up looking prettier than this, but without signing in or anything, you'll be able to say how many bedrooms the property is that you think you're going to rent or buy, and then you can start looking at what electricity and, and gas cost is for properties like that in the area you're looking. Um, once you actually are logged into the system and have your own profile, this will be part of your dashboard where you'll be able to see like how you're performing against your neighbors. So those neighbors are actually benchmarks using open data. 
Um, and then we're really excited about this. We're not sure it's going to work yet, but I, I, my gut tells me it will if we can do it right. That if you could invite your like best friends through Facebook to the platform and kind of compete against them, save money on the one hand, but win prizes and have some braggy rights to be able to tweet about it, share it on Facebook, we think there's going to be some viral potential there. So we're just exploring that. Um, this is where you can actually get into actually switching energy supply. Um, talking about coupon and that sort of stuff, that's where we can actually help influence people to, to look at different deals. Money Supermarket actually just opened up their system to a bunch of the smaller energy suppliers like Ecotricity and others, which is great. Um, and then here's where you're competing against your friends. You'll also see what the sort of average is that we need to add, as well as uh, a best performing property in that area. And this is the last slide, which um, is going to become uh, what what you find on our website before you log in. For every property in this country, we're going to try and create this utilizing open data so that you can see how much it's probably going to cost you, not just to rent the property, um, but all the running costs, as well as the deposits, so that we can actually start helping these younger householders understand what, what property is all about and all the various costs. So our uh, Twitter handle is locatable UK. We need a couple extra followers. So please follow. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.